0: This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs.
1: Did you serve in the military? If so, you can obtain a free lifetime pass to more than 2,000 federal recreation sites. These sites are located across more than 400 million acres of public lands, including national parks, wildlife refuges, and forests. The lands host activities to fit any lifestyle. Hiking, biking, fishing, camping, and much more. Gold Star families are also eligible for these free lifetime passes. Plus, they cover entrance fees for a driver and all passengers in a car, or up to three additional
0: adults at sites that charge per person. Obtaining one is easy. Just go to the National Park Service website, nps.gov, or the
1: National Park Service app.
0: In October 2019, Arlington, Texas was chosen to be the home of a new National Museum, unlike any other. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a unique home of military history. The 100,000 square foot museums will house exhibits, archives, and artifacts relating to the 3,500 U.S. troops who have been awarded the medal, the nation's highest honor for valor in combat. The museum will have 31,000 square feet of galleries dedicated to U.S. troops who have received the award. The museum's CEO, former Navy SEAL, and NASA astronaut Chris Cassidy said the museum will focus on education as much as preservation. The building will have five areas dedicated to Medal of Honor winners from the Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard. The main gallery will be located in a central plaza under a 25,000 square foot slab of steel, which will appear to be suspended in midair. It will be supported by five pillars. Black Rifle Coffee is a corporate sponsor of the museum, as are the Dallas Cowboys. The museum's board also includes over a dozen major corporations and six Medal of Honor recipients, including David Bellavia, Patrick Brady, and Britt Slobinski. Army Staff Sergeant Bellavia was awarded the medal for clearing an entire house by himself on November 10, 2004 as a squad leader in support of Operation Phantom Fury in Fallujah, Iraq. He killed four enemy fighters and wounded a fifth in close quarters battle. Army Major General Brady flew and coordinated the evacuation of 51 seriously wounded men during a firefight in Vietnam in January 1968. Slabinski, a Navy SEAL chief and team leader, led a rescue team of SEALs during Operation Anaconda in Afghanistan in March 2002. Slabinski and his team flew to a mountaintop ambush site to rescue Petty Officer First Class Neil Roberts, who had fallen from the back of a helicopter. Slabinski led the team through almost constant combat against an entrenched Taliban force. Along with the board members, former presidents Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama serve as honorary directors. The museum is expected to open to the public in late 2024.
2: All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with Ms. Finals. If you're a musician or actor our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business coaches we love our coaches come on and share some of your tips with the misfit nation to help them become better versions of themselves if you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success if you're a veteran first responder or gold star family we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the mismatch. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone, you will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. all right all right all right welcome to our tuesday after dinner show uh this is a good one tonight y'all our guest is coming to us from across the pond but first a little public service announcement i hope everyone had a great weekend and made it back to back to the place of work today after labor day weekend or back to safety at their houses after a long vacation weekend uh, also this is uh september is for some reason called suicide awareness month we kind of keep that awareness here on the misfit nation all the time but check on your brothers and sisters no matter if they served or not make sure to do it all right and make sure to stay with us another day so our next guest has a compelling story it's an odyssey from the depths of addiction to the heights of entrepreneurial success he was born prematurely to a mother struggling with addiction he experienced her tragic loss at the tender age of 10. this combined with a suppressive family environment led to emotional disconnect and vulnerability due to substance abuse as an entrepreneur the pleasure the pressures of running a business amplified his struggles with addiction until a fateful interaction with a mentor jolted him into confronting his reality he was called a crackhead by this mentor he was spurred to acknowledge his addiction and propelling him on a journey towards recovery so without further ado let's welcome luke walsford from from the uk uh, Founder and CEO of Lisa Inside Addiction, Recovered Addict, Lead Specialist, Addiction Counselor, Entrepreneur, and Podcast Host. Welcome, Luke.
1: Awesome. Thanks very much for having me, Rich. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: It's great to get these connections, and uh, I always say this when we have connections from way outside. The internet is a wonderful place. that makes the world so much smaller. It makes us so, so easy I can reach out and touch one, You have you on here, and bring your expertise to the Misfit Nation, and let them understand everything, all the tools and tips that you have to bring to them.
1: Yeah no awesome it's great to be a part of this amazing community thanks for having me here.
2: No problem and Luke like I told you in the green room I'm going to give about a two sentence blurb about you if you don't mind tell us a little bit more about you from as far back as you want to go to how we really got to where we are today.
1: Yeah okay thanks awesome so my story starts if we rewind a bit to my mum, really, you know, she, growing up, was a drug addict and a a drinker, she drank, she was an alcoholic, and she drank and used drugs, you know, most of my life, and especially before I was even born, she was drinking and using drugs, and that caused me to be premature, you know, I was born at 26 weeks, and I was as much as like, I weighed the amount, the same amount as a bag of sugar, and my head was like the size of a tennis ball, a diddy little baby, and I came out of my mum's womb fighting for my life, right? Already in many ways addicted to drugs and full of drugs in my system, um, just fighting. And unfortunately for my mum, her addiction didn't get any better there. And it just escalated through my early years, her drinking and using drugs. And she was in and out of rehab. And I got to spend time with her as much as I could. But as I got older, it became harder and harder. And when I was 10 years old, Um, she passed away. She she died from drinking and using drugs and for me as a 10 year old kid I didn't really understand what was necessarily going on. I was kind of old enough to realise that drink was this thing that mum was doing and it wasn't helpful and healthy for her but I didn't really understand why and why she was leaving me and choosing drink over me and then why she passed away and suddenly she was gone and as a 10-year-old kid, I did. I just ripped out everything that connected my head to my heart, I just numbed all of my emotions and suppressed and just shoved everything down just into this pit, never to be found again. And that was really, really challenging for me. You know, I wasn't really consciously aware of what was going on. It wasn't until later on in life where things really started to play out and materialise, but that was definitely a really big touchstone for me in my life where a lot happened And a lot of the psychological and subconscious programming was certainly set in my life. And as I grew up as a young kid with my dad and my two brothers, you know, they were four and five years older than me. So I was the youngest and we used to fight as boys will be boys. We'd always try and beat each other up and they'd pick on me and I'd wind them up and I'd annoy them and frustrate them. And we'd just beat each other up. And dad was always like, boys will be boys. You know, they're just fighting. But underneath that only I've learned in hindsight was this grief this grief of someone that our mum who meant a lot to us who passed away so we didn't really know how to express emotions or deal with grief or talk about feelings so we just expressed what a lot of men do which is anger right just violence just biting each other beating each other up and I remember a story that always comes to mind which is when my stepmom, one of the first times she met me and my brothers, um, the door kind of opened to the front door as she was walking up to it. And my middle brother, Matt, he ran out the front door. And two seconds later, there was me chasing him with a cricket bat down the road. And that was one of the first times my stepmom met us, it was because I was chasing him down the street with a cricket bat, trying to hit him around the head or whatever was going on. We were just fighting. And as a young kid, you know, we laugh about it that masculinity, if that's how guys are, that's how boys are growing up. But for me, that just reinforced the suppression of emotions, although the only emotion that was allowed was anger and being strong and putting on this mask and this brave face in my life. And that was further reinforced. You know, as time went on, I went to school. That was reinforced by my peers and the people around me. And there was at that time when I was in school when drugs were first introduced to me, alcohol was first introduced to me. You know, I had my first drink. And I had my first cigarette and my first joint and my first line of Coke. And it was at that time when I just started to be around that peer group and it started to get embedded into my system of drinking and using drugs. I mean, I wasn't an addict uh, by any means at that point in time. I was just a teenager just having some fun at weekends. But those two parallel processes, the discovering alcohol and drugs and then suppressing all my emotions, they were subconsciously in my life colliding and escalating and slowly underneath bubbling up and that led me to the point where I left school rich and when I left school I went on to start my own business I wanted to be an entrepreneur I wanted to be a businessman and that went well you know I grew my business in a very short amount of time we grew to like five employees we had um, an office and we had a team of us that were all just a band of rebels growing and taken on the world and we built websites and did marketing for companies in the UK and grew their companies and made money. And as we were making money and celebrating and really growing as as entrepreneurs, we would drink and go out and party and you know do coke and have fun. And that all seemed so innocent. But as time went on, it just got worse and worse and worse and just escalated and escalated and escalated. Until the point where I lost the whole business because I was spending money I didn't have on cocaine and drinking and on, you know, smoking weed every day and just being in that cycle, <laughs> being able to handle the stress, always having this mask of masculinity, of being a shrewd businessman who had to always get on with stuff. And that was really challenging to be stuck in that identity and stuck in that pattern. And like I say, I lost the whole business. And that was a really challenging time in my life. Um, but that gives you a bit of a background of kind of where I've come from.
2: Well, that's uh, that's compelling right there. To, to, I started to say this up, with this is a compelling story. That is a compelling story right there. Uh, like you said, boys will be boys. Uh, you chasing your brother with a cricket bat. And my brother hit me in the face with a skateboard. Growing up. So <laughs> I, I understand that 100%. Uh, and I think any all the guys listening, even the girls listening, they'll understand that uh, siblings fight and siblings do that stuff. And sometimes it's an outlet of something else. And I think you... You were born with a challenge already, just the, your circumstances when you were born. And that, do you think uh, since your mom wasn't an, an addict and did all the addiction kind of stuff in front of you, did that make you more prone to addiction by someone else?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I definitely think there's uh, learned behavior and being around that behavior as a kid that definitely got modelled to me that this is a way on an unconscious level how we how we manage our emotions and numb our emotions and just shut everything down. And definitely being around mum, there's definitely memories I have of her being drunk and being out of control and having to carry her home as like a seven, eight, nine-year-old kid and having to try and sort out different situations. So it was definitely modelled to me and that's definitely something I learned and was one of the causes of my own addiction for sure.
2: Definitely. And uh, uh, I believe uh, the way you uh, handled this part of your journey past that, once you were t- were you called to crack it by your mentor, that kind of set the bells off for you, I think, right there. Losing the business, being called that. Now, now all the wheels are going in the right way.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I remember that moment, just to drill down in it a bit, was I remember it for the rest of my life. You know, I just you know, the business was crumbling around me. I had people calling my phone every single day, asking for money, asking for their projects. I wasn't going into the office. I had to move out of my penthouse flat into a house share. And I had to get rid of the Mercedes, all those kind of luxuries. And I just had literally nothing left. And I was calling through all the different people in my phone book to try and get them to lend me more money to keep using drugs and keep going. Cause I just didn't want to face the reality. And as I got and over the weeks exhausted every single person, I had one number left. And that was this business mentor of mine who I really didn't want to call because I knew they were, you know, hard to manipulate and get round. But I decided to say, you know, screw it. I'm going to press the phone and called him up. And I remember talking to him, trying to bullshit my way through the call. And he just cut me off with that sentence that changed my life forever. And he said, Luke, you're a crackhead. And, or no, although rich, I never smoked crack, it was just in that moment it just pierced all that denial, and sometimes when we're drinking and using drugs, we can just be in such a heavy weighed down by this denial, and that's why I was and that one sentence from from that friend just cut through that, and I realized, wait a minute, I'm just like my mum, you know, I'm an addict heading towards death, just like her, and I'm just gonna die if I keep going on this path, keep going down this down this route, I'm just getting up with nothing and I'm just going to end up in an early grave. And I just didn't want that. And I just decided in that moment that this wasn't going to be the rest of my life. I was going to become authentic. I was going to grow. I was going to learn. I didn't know how. I didn't know who, what kind of people would show up in my life to help me with that. But I just knew in that moment I was going to not be like mum. I wasn't going to die like that. Because I understood in some way that her life wasn't an example, it was her death that was the lesson to not do that, to not go down that path. So that moment has always stood out to me as a big turning point in my consciousness and, and just a shift in my perspective.
2: It definitely is. And especially as young as you were when uh, you lost your mom, it, it kind of stays in the back of your head as like that black moment, that black chapter in life where, and, and like you just said, a vital lesson for the rest of your life A lot of people don't get or don't realize they have that lesson and just stay in that same cycle as their mom or dad did or someone that they looked up to did and don't get out of it. Is it due to um, there being different levels of addiction or just not wanting to know?
1: Yeah. So I think a lot of people struggle to know why, right? They have this question, you know, why do they do it? Um, Why are they stuck in it? Why is this happening? And I think one interesting thing that I've done since I've been working with clients for many years is I surveyed hundreds and hundreds of clients and asked them what were some of the things that happened in their life. And I asked them a range of questions and I want to read you some of the statistics. So over 50 percent of people that I um, assessed had lost a key person in their life. So like me, like my mum, and I'm sure a lot of the veterans listening, you know, losing someone important in their life, you know. Um, is one of the really big causes, that grief that just sort of sits there in the background that was really, really challenging. Um, Also, one in two people had uh, their parents got divorced in childhood, Um, the same as me. My parents divorced in childhood as well. Um, One in two people moved around a lot as a kid, so that's moving to different cities, moving around the world maybe, moving to different schools, had a lot of instability, um, which was challenging. You know, one in four people, their parents used to drink, modelling to them that behaviour. So, for example, again, that was the same as me, right? My mum modelled to me that drinking behaviour, and a lot of clients I work with, one in four, you know, their parents and their caregivers were heavy drinkers themselves. Um, Also, one in four their uh, people grew up in a home where domestic abuse was present, right, around violence um, from one of their caregivers, which is really, really challenging. Um, One in four also had a partner in the past who drank a lot and their drinking escalated since being with that partner. So that's also common if you've been in a relationship with someone in the past who drinks or using drugs that can escalate your behavior because you're kind of feeding each other and going round and round. And then lastly, one in four had been cheated on on in the past. So there was that loss of trust and abandonment from someone in their life that where they'd been cheated on and lost someone. So when you think about some of the causes of addiction, there's some of the things I'm sure will echo out through your audience's life, and and have definitely touched my life. I've ticked off many of those boxes, and so have a lot of the clients I've worked with.
2: I know we talked in the in the green room about our of my audience and what the kind of makeup is, and and what I felt would be a good topic. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. A lot of uh, a lot of veterans that came back from war, they either suffered loss there. Uh, good buddy or someone might've got killed there or while they were gone, their spouse or significant other might've left them. And it that big hole for either way, leaving you have a hole in your heart by the time, by the time you get back and you're trying to fill it up. And we talked about purpose earlier and, and having a meaning. How do we cement that purpose, cement that meaning to maybe stop that spiral?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's first exactly like you said to acknowledge that the meaning is gone, right. To acknowledge that sometimes, we don't really know why we kind of feel empty and we haven't really acknowledged that or become aware of it and it's important to acknowledge that you know whether that's a loss of identity that created that void from going from being a soldier to now being a veteran whether that's losing a partner or losing someone in your life there's this hole that gets created or whether that's just the meaning of not having all that structure and the boundaries of you know being in the service so it's important to recognise that the meaning was lost and that there is this hole. And drinking and drugs is a very kind of convenient way and common way to fill that hole. We just keep filling it with drinking and booze and substances or food or whatever it may be. It can even be money and goods. Like many things can be addictive where we're just trying to fill up that void over and over again. It can be sex, whatever it may be. We're just trying to fill up that emptiness inside us and trying to get a sense of pleasure but the thing is when we use a drink or drug it never lasts it always becomes a cycle you know we have that initial trigger that could be the feeling of loneliness or the feeling of you know our partner not being there anymore then we have the cravings which is our mind just telling us go and drink go and drink or go and use and then we have the justifications and the justification comes in they're the big guns that are like oh, well, you're not drinking as much as that guy over there. You know, you haven't lost everything just yet, you know, and you justify your own behavior. And then after you then go and use, you get the guilt and shame, which also takes you down to the loneliness of having no meaning and having no connection and feeling that isolation and loneliness, and the whole cycle goes round and round. So I think the meaning piece is really, really important and a really big thing that impacts a lot of people, especially a lot of your audience, is that loss and the loss of the meaning as well.
2: Definitely. And like we also said, once you take them boots off the last time, you don't have something you can hide in anymore. You don't have the team, the team where you can just go hide and deploy with or hide what you were doing. Even if you were already sort of doing drugs and alcohol at the time, you can't hide it no more once you're out because you have nowhere else to hide it. That's all you yeah. have. So you're constantly chasing, like you said, they're chasing the of chasing that high that you had having camaraderie, having a fellowship, and having that sense of meaning and uh, determination to do things in life. But how do we maybe get some of these veterans to self-assess without maybe without having someone saying, hey, you're a crackhead like your mentor did, but how do they get them to self-assess maybe a tool that they can use to see if they're going down the path?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's important to recognize in terms of a tool is what meaning do they have in their life and really become aware of that so when you go through any bit I'll use me an example so I ran my business and I lost that business I lost the team I lost the people around me and I was literally sitting on a park bench when I spoke to my friend I lost a lot of meaning I lost that identity of being an entrepreneur and of having that wealth and status and money of having a mercedes and a penthouse flat and all those things that status that comes with that and I lost all of that meaning and I did turn to drugs because I didn't have that meaning in my life anymore and I was trying to just fill up that loneliness and abandonment with drinking drugs and how did I overcome that how did I come out of that I think the really important thing is to recognize that the labels we attach to our identity they're stuck on with velcro you know they're not we can take them off we can change them Whether I'm an entrepreneur or whether I'm, you know, a good person, a bad person, whatever I am, whether I, you know, have status or have money, whatever my net worth is, all of these labels, we can take off and choose which labels we want to have. So that's really important. And also having a vision, you know, one of the things I created on that park bench was a vision and a vision for my life, because I lost all of that meaning and the vision and the direction I was heading in, I then needed to create a new vision. So I wanted to become authentic, to grow in myself, to help other people, to give back to the world, and to build another business that was important for me and that had that sense of purpose. I knew at some level that just building websites for people to so they could sell more cupcakes didn't give me any more meaning. I "I don't care if they sell more cupcakes. I want more from life. Whereas now, when I connect someone, I come on a podcast or share something or help someone that gives me a lot more meaning. It's a lot better reason to get up in the morning. So I think I transitioned from that life of achievement to more of a life of fulfillment. And that was by creating like a 10X vision, a vision that was way beyond my addiction for myself, for my own health and how I was going to achieve better health and go to the gym and look after myself for my wealth, for my bank account and paying off all of my debts and getting back on the straight and narrow and paying back the people that affected me. For my love and the people around me, and my connections, getting those back and creating more connections with the people around me and for my own happiness, you know, to feel happier in myself, feel more fulfilled, feel more pleasure and fulfillment naturally from gratitude and loads of those healthy tools. So creating a 10X vision is really, really important, a vision that's beyond that. And especially if someone is transitioning from the army and coming out of the army is to think about what is that? next chapter, what are they going to go and do? How are they going to help people? Are they going to go and train other people? Are they going to, you know, provide some sort of support? Are they going to, you know, manage their identity to actually still maintain that level of their sense of self? Like I transitioned from doing one business to another business. So I still stayed in that sort of um, identity of an entrepreneur. And I also added a counsellor and a therapist and you know, an emotional human being to that list um, of different identities. But thinking about it from a veteran's point of view, what else can they add to that identity that's really going to allow them to support their sense of self and have that direction and vision and really fill up their own cup?
2: Definitely. And You had challenges as an entrepreneur, a veteran, I'll have challenges that will be similar because they're still trying to find that next thing. Like you just said, if they're not setting goals as they're starting a transition, it's a little harder. And like you had, a, you just said that you had that counselor a therapist, the team basically to help you a village, to help you grow and stay in the right path. And I'm sure that helped you on your path. And I think that's what helped a lot of our audience as well. If they rely on their brothers and sisters and say, look, I think I'm padding down the wrong path. I need this help. Where can I go? Who do you suggest? And I think that's something we need to start pushing out to more people.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. I think the help is really, really important. And You know, as an addiction specialist therapist, I feel like it's really important if people are struggling with addiction to reach out and get help. Because for me, counselling was really a game changer. I tried, um, you know, the 12 steps and I tried different things like that. But for me, it was addiction therapy that really, really helped because it allowed me to really have the space and time to integrate the change into my life. I feel like where I've worked in many rehabs, rehab is, is amazing and it definitely has its place. But sometimes I saw so many clients go in there for the 28 days, they stay sober, then they get out, they go back to their normal life, then there's this whiplash effect where they don't really know how to integrate that change. And then sometimes they relapse, and they would relapse and find it challenging because they don't know how to manage that transition. So I feel like for me, counselling really helped me manage that integration and manage that change in my life where I slowly learned to rebuild my life and manage my life week after week whilst actually not drinking not using drugs and trying over and over again to not learn that in my actual life how do i make all the phone calls take all the bollockings for all of the bad things i've done and clean up my whole company whilst not doing drugs and whilst not drinking that's the point yes i can go to rehab not do it and come back and then what happens when i then have to deal with all the phone calls and deal with all clean out my whole company that just failed what happens then so I really found it important to integrate that change and learn it in my life. And again, for, for vets to be able to actually manage that transition and have a therapist, have a support network, have other people around them to help manage that transition in their life to a new focus and learn to manage their emotions a bit better and regulate their emotions rather than not relying on drink or drugs just to numb everything out.
2: Exactly. And kind of like having that accountability partner really helps the person that comes out of uh, therapy, especially if it's group therapy or even individual therapy. If you don't have someone that's accountable, that may keep you accountable as you come out, you kind of go down that path, like you just said. You, You kind of spiral back in that whiplash effect where I know this, I was good at this part. I can do this better if I'm doing it this way. If someone's not there to stop you, you're just going to keep doing that.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think accountability is really, really key. And that's one thing I provide my clients with is accountability through the counselling. And I often tell them to build an accountability safety circle. So what this is, is a way to build up that accountability around you. So you have self accountability. And that could be writing down a list of all the consequences or writing a video or adding friction to the equation. So you're making it harder to drink and use drugs and holding yourself accountable. That's really, really important. And then the next level out is family accountability. So having your family who can help hold you on track and check in on you and make sure you're not drinking or you're not using drugs and help hold you on track that you're getting to therapy, that you've got the support you need. Then from there afterwards, you then have your friendship group and them holding you accountable. So maybe if that's someone who you go out with can help you in social situations, not drink or not take it so far. And having friends around you is really important at that level. Then lastly, the fourth level of accountability is professional accountability. So that's someone like myself or a support group or some kind of professional who can help hold you accountable, whether that's a doctor or a therapist or psychologist, someone to hold you accountable. And with those four levels of the self-accountability, the, you know, family accountability, social accountability, and your professional accountability, that really helps people build an accountability circle around them to help them stay on track, you know, like on a motorway, right? In the UK, you have like the rumble strips. If you're going to go out of the lane, you're going to go and wakes you up. And sometimes we need that, that accountability. If we're going to go outside the lane of our life to have that to kind of wake us back up and put us back in the lane on, on the road and keep us on track. So building that accountability circle is really important.
2: Definitely. And we, we got a question from the audience. Uh, Jake Holland from Kentucky, he has a sister that was in and out of rehab for alcohol and finally has quit drinking, but all she ended up doing is switching weed for alcohol. How can his family wake her up to what she's actually doing?
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's really, really common. That's what we call like a cross addiction, where someone gives up one drug um, for another drug. And normally what's happening there. Is that they're not learning to, to manage their emotions. Yes, they've learned to stop that specific drug or that or drinking and switch to weed, but they're not learning to manage their emotions. And for for me, I was, you know, drinking, doing coke, smoking weed, smoking cigarettes. And as I slowly went through therapy and learned to manage my emotions over and over and over again, um, and got better and better at it, I slowly cut out each drug as I went until now I've been completely sober for many, many years. Um, but it takes time and to, to develop that skill of, of learning to regulate our emotions. So what can you know someone do to help their sister? I think it's really important to recognise when you're helping someone. Firstly, they have to be ready, just to be straight up and candid with you, right? They have to be ready and they have to want that change and they have to be ready um, in that situation to want that. I think it's important to have the therapy and, and guide them into that therapy and talk to them about regulating their emotions also to recognize that they've done well right if they've gone from alcohol to weed like that's progress sometimes we see it as a massive failure you've failed but really that's still a step in the right direction they're going they're learning to manage their emotion better their their drug use is getting less and to sort of softer drugs and that's what happened to me going from cocaine to alcohol to weed to cigarettes and then to nothing over time i slowly got better at managing my emotions so really sitting down, having like an honest conversation with them, and trying to express to them that they're doing well, and they just need to keep going, engage in therapy, keep that support group, you know, just because you went to rehab doesn't mean that you're suddenly solved. It's an ongoing process to stay in therapy and work on things. And another one thing just to kind of end on that point is to look after yourself. A lot of people often find themselves putting a lot of energy and effort into supporting their family members. It's really important to have the self-love and self-care for ourselves and to look after ourselves in the equation.
2: Outstanding. Jake, I hope that answers your question. He says, thank you. And then another listener says, at the end of the day, you have to want to change as well. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. You have to want to actually make the change. That's from, from my brother who hit me with the skateboard. (laughs) so Luke we talked about a lot of things we didn't talk about your business uh, uh, Lisa's Inside Addiction or your podcast uh, Inside Addiction as well tell us a little bit about your podcast and uh, what it I'm sure it talks about addiction obviously Inside Addiction but uh, how often do you put them out and uh, what kind of guests do you have on there
1: yeah so in terms of the podcast Um, That was really started out of my passion for wanting to learn more and connect with people and really talk to people about their struggles with addiction and talk to experts. So we have experts on there, people such as myself and my peers who I talk to about addiction, whether that's on different subjects like mindfulness or food or whatever it may be, or gratitude. And then we also have episodes of family members who are struggling with addicts as well. So Jake could maybe go listen to one of those episodes around a family member to have that support. And then also we have addicts themselves, you know, who share their journey through addiction and sobriety and recovery. So really we go from all three different approaches, the family members, the addicts themselves, and then experts. And we really talk about all the different facets of addiction and really provide some useful tips. So I'd recommend people go and have a look at that. And then in terms of the, the company side of things, so, yeah, I run a company called leash Inside Addiction, and we have counsellors who run an eight-week programme. And this eight-week programme takes clients through four different pillars. So they learn, they have one-to-one counselling sessions, they have videos that they watch, they have worksheets they complete, and then they have the one-to-one accountability phone calls in between sessions. And that kind of four pillars really helps clients get that integration I was talking about into their life, where they can watch the videos, they do the worksheets, they reflect themselves, and they're really sharp up to the counselling sessions, getting the most out of it. And that's really, really important. And, you know, some of the things we cover in the programme would be around why people actually drink and use drugs, how to rebuild trust with your partner. They also learn loads of therapeutic tools to regulate and manage their emotions, how to handle social situations, how not to relapse, like so much stuff is covered that's really important. But I really focus on that approach that is around integration that's really really the the key for me
2: outstanding luke again thank you for taking some of your uh, morning time to hang out with us here uh, during our night time how does someone get in contact with you maybe just to chat with you like we just did have you on their show or maybe get some help from you
1: yeah perfect so the best place for for people to go is to the website insideaddiction.co.uk and one thing i'd like them to go to Is insideaddiction.co.uk forward slash why. And on there is like a self assessment that clients can take. And that'll really tell people if they have a problem with drinking or if they have a problem with drugs. And it'll kind of grade their life on some of the factors we went through in terms of why it's happening, their subconscious programming, their social circle, and their self care. And if they're taking care of themselves. And it'll kind of give them a bit of insight into why this is happening and give them a 38-page personalized report for them on their specific situation and some of the tools they can use to help to get out of that situation. So really taking that self-assessment would be the first place to kind of go so they can really get some help and get that ball rolling is what I'd recommend.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Luke, again, for taking some of your time tonight and sharing a lot of information with Misfit Nation tonight. I hope Misfit Nation was able to absorb some of that. Like I told you in a pre-show, If we reach one, we teach one, and that's a victory for both of us.
1: Yeah, awesome. Thanks very much for having me, Rich.
2: All right, you have a good rest of your, uh, I guess, morning time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, perfect, cheers.
2: Cheers. For every veteran, there is a story. A story about a calling to serve, to fight for the freedoms of the American people. And every story has a struggle, a sacrifice, and invisible wounds. Warrior WOD's programs help veterans recover from PTSD and invisible wounds through exercise, nutrition, and connecting with other veteran leaders. It is estimated that 22 veterans die each day by suicide, and another 30 veterans die each day by substance abuse. These are preventable deaths. Warrior Watch is committed to fighting PTSD through fitness, nutrition, and community. checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. That's themisfitnation.com. Check out all of our past episodes and get some of that great Misfit Nation. Movie. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling, because we are Misfit Nation. Misfit Nation. fit Nation. Misfit Nation. Misfit Nation.